Thank you for joining us today. You're listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. You can connect with us on social media at Crossing Cultures or by visiting www.crossingculture.org. Make sure you stick around after today's message for a discussion with Phil and our special guest. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode of Crossing Cultures. I'm excited to, uh, boy, I mean, we're in for a great treat at the end of this episode. Uh, an amazing conversation with some really good friends. You're not going to want to miss it. But just remember, if you're not able to be with us the whole time, you can jump onto our podcast at Crossing Cultures. Or you can go to my website, philmetzger.com or crossingculture.org, and you can grab this whole thing. You're not going to want to miss it, I promise you. But before we get to that conversation, I'd like us to look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first six verses, really fascinating, and I think really useful for you and me today. So let me read these verses. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. Before we get to that conversation, I'd like us to look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at the first six verses, really fascinating, and I think really useful for you and me today. So let me read these verses. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly, you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And let me pray for us. And I'd like to uh, make some comments about these, these amazing verses. So Father, as we open your word, as we allow ourselves to spend some time to be fed by your spirit from your word, I pray God that you would meet us. Maybe we're listening in the car or in our homes or on a podcast. I pray that you would speak to us. Pray that this time would be useful. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul here is writing about his ministry. And I realize that for most of us, a full-time job in Christian ministry is not in the cards. But do me a favor, don't zone out because everything that he writes about has impact, has influence in every single one of our lives. His context might his context might be the ministry of church planting and evangelism. Yours is the workplace or home or school. And the Bible reminds us, whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. I want you to notice in these first three verses that Paul says that transformed lives are proof of his calling in ministry. There was an interesting dynamic happening in, in the church in Corinth. There was really a lot of tension and division happening, especially between many of the believers in that city and Paul. And, uh, you know, at the end of the last chapter, Paul reminds them that kind of in contrast to the false teachers, Paul was not going to peddle the word of God. He was preaching with sincerity. And then he stops here and he kind of asks a couple rhetorical questions. And the answer to these questions was supposed to be no. Right here they are. Are we commending ourselves? No, was, should have been the answer. Do we need letters of recommendation? No. Why? Paul's the one that started the church there in Corinth. How crazy would it be to go in and, and you go into this city and you start preaching the gospel to people? And some people get saved, they give their lives to Christ, and they begin to grow in their faith. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're learning from the Word of God. They're literally seeing transformation happen in their lives. And then down the road, they're like, hey, that guy, that guy Paul, what, what right did he have to come here and preach the message? That was kind of what was happening. And it, it kind of raises an interesting question. How do we measure success? 
Is it the letters after our name, doctor this or so on, masters this or bachelors in this? And by the way, I want to be super clear. Ain't nothing wrong with an education. In fact, we need people who have who have dedicated themselves to growing and to learning in that formal context of education. We need people living in the world and being in the world and doing great things for the Lord. But the question I'm asking is this, how do we measure success? You know, is it is it from people's perspective or do we need to consider it from God's perspective? You know, I'm sure uh, Paul, Paul had quite a resume if you just think about it. In fact, in the book of Philippians in chapter three, Paul read out his resume to the believers there. And then he said this, but listen to his resume, which his resume is not much to you and me, but it was pretty impressive to the people then circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee concerning zeal. I was persecuting the church concerning righteousness. I was blameless. This is all in Philippians chapter three. And then in verse eight, he says this, but I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. In effect, what Paul's saying here is he's saying, take all my success, take all my degrees, take all my church planter of the year awards, take all my possessions and my hopes and my dreams and my reference letters, praising all my seminars and put them all together in a big old pile and it's junk compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus. Now, again, Paul wasn't saying that what he had done and what he had accomplished and who he was was wasted in a junk. He wasn't saying being a Pharisee was just a waste of my life. What he's saying is in comparison to the knowledge of knowing Jesus, of being in Christ, nothing could compare to that. Our external credentials as, uh, in the long run, are, are kind of meaningless apart from Christ. And there's this great imagery that Paul gives us here in verses 2 and 3. He doesn't deny that he has a letter of commendation. He just says you're looking at the wrong kinds of letters. In fact, what Paul says is this. He says, I have a letter that recommends me to God. It's you. You are my letter of commendation. Your life transformed by the gospel. Your, the impact that, that the message of God's word has had upon your life. Your family being transformed. You going from darkness into light, from death into life, from hopelessness into all the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. You are my letter of recommendation. What about us? You know, we're not all professional ministers and all those things, but how are you making an impact in the world around you? Are you just looking back and relying upon, you know, your past and your, you have this education, you have this job, you're just living your life. But let me remind you, your kids are part of your letter of recommendation. They, they stand as a legacy of God's faithfulness and God's work in your life as you have poured your heart into them. Now, of course, as our kids become adults, they get to make their own choices and all. But how important is, is it for you and me right now to realize that, man, I, I have an opportunity to invest not just into my kids. Maybe you don't have kids and, and you say, well, I don't, that, that one doesn't apply to me. The world around us, look at the people around you. Are you investing the gospel into them? I want you to notice a few things here that Paul says about this letter of commendation. He says this, he says, it's written on our hearts. These young believers are individuals he loves and he's praying for. He's literally poured his life into them and he carried their burdens and their hopes and their dreams in his heart, wherever he went. I think one of the indications of whether we have any living letters in our hearts is a part of our prayer life. I love this passage in first Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. I love that because it just reminds me that as I'm investing my life into people, you know, God and people, 
I get a burden, and I mean this in the most positive way. I get a happy burden, a joyful burden that makes me just say, Lord, I wanna, I'm going to be praying for the people that are a part of my life, that are connected to me. Now, Paul says this letter is known and read by everybody. And just before we take a break, I want to I wanna talk about this for just a moment. This letter is known and read by everybody. You know, usually when you write your resume or a CV, whatever you call it, you give it to a few people. It, it doesn't really get out to the whole world, you know, unless you're on like LinkedIn or things like that. And uh, But for the most part, you know, a few people will read your resume, but the kind of resume that Paul's talking about, everybody can read it. Changed lives, transformed lives. I mean, just think about it. The, the fact that God has, I mean, just look at your own life right now. God took you, God took me out of my lostness, He redeemed me through the gospel of Jesus Christ. My life is on a trajectory of hope and of purpose and of value and and forgiveness and repentance. And friends, just think about this. Like Paul Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 9, 10, and 11. He says, don't you know that unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And then, and then listen to this verse. You ready? And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. You know, so, some of us, maybe you've been a Christian so long and it's like, we feel so cleaned up and so that we forget like we, some, such were some of us. We were the ones who were transformed by the gospel. And let me encourage, just before we jump into a quick commercial, not only have we been washed by the message of the gospel and by the work of the Holy Spirit, but I hope right now you are continuing to be filled with the Holy Spirit and seeing your need for God in your life today. You are listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. If this ministry has added value to you and you would like to hear more content, you can subscribe at our Crossing Cultures podcast or visit us online at www.crossingculture.org. If you would like to support us financially, you can do that on our website at www.crossingculture.org. Now let's get back into today's message. I want to pick up kind of where we just left off just before our little break there. And I want you to notice something. Paul says that these letters of recommendation are, are, are out there for everybody, right? A, tr- a changed life. That it's, it's, it's the blind man saying to the crowd, I once was blind, but now I see. And then Paul also says this. He says that these letters are not written on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Paul may be thinking here of the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments, and he's going to refer to them in the in the next couple of verses. But I think the ultimate point here comes from Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Listen to these verses. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. You know, the problem with God's people in the Old Testament was largely one of hardness of heart. They knew what God desired and what he required, but their hearts were often like stone. And stone is not easy to write on. It takes a hammer and chisel and a lot of effort. How much easier it would be if the people's hearts were soft and pliable. The prophet predicts that a time would come when God would give his people just that, a tender heart. When would that happen? Well, Ezekiel says that cleansing or forgiveness has to come first, which was offered through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And I want to remind you that today we have opportunity through the message of the, just the beautiful message of the gospel. We don't have to have hard hearts. Maybe your hearts become hard in certain areas of your life or towards certain people. Did you know that right now you could say to the Lord, Lord, soften my heart again. God, give me a, uh, take away this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh or just a a soft heart. And Paul says this in verse four of 2 Corinthians 3, we have such trust through Christ toward God. He's just so confident, not in himself, 
but through Christ toward God. Verse 5, he says, not that we're sufficient of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Paul acknowledges that his effectiveness at Corinth had not been the result of his natural gifts. God, of course, uses our natural gifts and talents, but without his power enabling us, the very best of natural gifts produce only spiritual chaff. Clearly, there had been a force at work in that city which made promiscuous people faithful. Sex addicts gave up their depravity. Drunks became sober. Tax cheaters became honest and trustworthy. How do you explain people's lives being so incredibly transformed? I'll tell you, it's the gospel. It's the power of God to work over every part of our lives, not just that one moment when we gave our lives to Christ, but for the rest of our lives. In verse 6, Paul says, He has made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. You know, I believe Paul's talking about this, you know, what uh, is often referred to as the old covenant versus the new covenant. The old covenant was the agreement God made with the children of Israel in Moses' day, encapsulated in the Ten Commandments, but including all those kind of civil, ceremonial, dietary laws of the Old Testament. It was a covenant that promised blessing for obedience and judgment for disobedience. There was nothing intrinsically wrong with the old covenant. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul describes the old covenant as perfect. The fault was with the people. And the fact that we could not, and you know, I'm saying we, because what's true of them then is true of us today. We cannot live up to the perfection of God's law. The new covenant began at the death of Jesus. When Jesus was giving us uh, communion, the Lord's Supper, he said this, this is the new covenant in my blood. When Jesus died, he made possible a whole new kind of relationship between God and his people. It is different. Paul says it's different in a couple really important ways. Number one, the old covenant is of the letter. The new covenant is of the spirit. In other words, the law without the spirit to energize and, 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 and inspire the reader is, is, is lifeless. When Jesus sealed the new covenant with his blood, he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to live permanently in the believer's life. God's law would be internalized and the power to obey it would come from within and, it's, and it kills. But notice the second thing, that's what Paul says here. He says the letter kills and the spirit gives life. The contrast Paul is setting up between the letter and the spirit is really a contrast between law and gospel. These are the two elements of redemptive history or two of the elements of redemptive history. The law is said to kill because it's demand for absolute obedience and it's corresponding condemnation of all those who failed to keep it perfectly. All is not lost, however, for the law forced me to see my need for the gospel. As Paul writes in Galatians 3.24, the law was put in charge of us to lead us to Christ. The letter kills Spirit gives life. I want to kind of return where we started. What does your portfolio look like? Will you have more than a picture of your family, a personal resume, a few letters from friends, verifying that you're a nice person? Maybe you have that certificate of baptism or a plaque to signify that you learned all your verses in Awana. You remember Awana back in the day? Yeah. Or maybe you got a letter of thanks from a children's pastor for serving. Do you have any living letters to present to the Savior? And I guess my prayer for you and me is this. God help us to pour our energies and gifts into people so they can be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. If this ministry has added value to you and you would like to hear more content, you can subscribe to our Crossing Cultures podcast or visit us online at crossingculture.org or philmetzger.com. We would love to send you a free copy of Jed Gorley's book, Distant Fields, for your gift of $10 or more. You can do that on our website at crossingculture.org or philmetzger.com. Let's get back into today's message. I just have one more thought before we wrap this up and jump into our Amazing conversation with some great friends. 
I want to highlight something that Paul says here, a word that he uses, and it's, I'm I'm looking at this in the New King James in verse five. He says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves. You know, there's a big push today to be sufficient of ourselves. In fact, in many ways, we'd have to say that's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, a self-made person, somebody who can, yeah, I think even as a parent, you know, I got four kids and I, I want them to be able to go out into the world and succeed in whatever that looks like in their life. What I mean is like, I want them to learn how to, you know, get a job and drive the car and pay the bills and be responsible and fall in love and, and have kids of their own and give me more grandkids and all these things. And it's easy to sell this or easy to assume this as the goal of life. But there's something else that's happening here in the work of the Spirit. It's that we're reminded that we are not sufficient of ourselves. It's okay for you and me to pause and to realize, I need Jesus. Not not just in the bad days of my life, but in every day of my life. Not just when I've hit rock bottom, but even when I'm on a high and doing really well. When things are going in the right direction, I still need Jesus. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves. In fact, he says this, to think of anything as being from ourselves. You know, there's a tendency, there's a draw, there's a pull inside every single one of us to want to, you know, it's almost like the kind of the motto of, of many today is like, if I increase, then God will increase. But, the, but John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that Jesus can increase. I want to encourage you in that as we wrap this up. You're you may not be in like full-time ministry. You're working, you're in school, whatever it might be. That's awesome. God bless you and where you're at and just, and, and hear me on this. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord and remind yourself. Don't, don't wait till somebody else reminds you or you hit rock bottom. Remind yourself that we are not sufficient of ourselves that we need Christ. We need to be filled with his Holy Spirit, that the gospel sets me free from having to be the everything for my life. I'm free to let God in to be everything in my life. I know you're gonna enjoy this conversation that we're about to have. It's gonna encourage you in your faith. It's gonna strengthen you in your faith. And I wanna just close this time in a word of prayer and then then we'll jump into this, this next part. So Father, thank you for your word. May it just bear fruit in every single one of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed our message. We have a great conversation coming up in just a moment. Crossing Cultures is focused on helping Christians learn how to connect to those who may live, believe, or think differently than they do. We would love for you to partner with us financially as we seek to take the gospel locally and globally. You can do so by visiting us online at www.crossingculture.org. We would love to send you a gift for your donation of any amount. Up next, we have Child of the King by The New Divide. Stay tuned after the song for a conversation with Phil and our special guest. Grace ran down your arms Mercy slid down your brow Yet through all that pain God, you thought of me somehow Freely you laid down Your Father's shining crown My shame, God, that was my shame. Oh, I know I'm a child of the King. Oh, I know it's mine to proclaim. I was paid for in blood.
mine to proclaim I was paid Thanks for sticking with me on this episode of Crossing Cultures. All of you on K-Wave and KSDW, you guys are in for a treat because this month we are going to be talking to some of my, well, let me start that over again, my favorite people in the whole world that I can't wait to introduce to you and their wives and this family uh, are very, very near and dear to Joy and I. And we're going to talk a little bit about 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the message that you just heard. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But I want to have these guys introduce themselves and uh, where they're living and serving. And um, I'm so excited. So maybe we start over here and we'll just work our way through. Sure. Yeah, well, my name is Paul Billings, and I uh, pastor uh, and church plant in uh, Amman, Jordan. Um, yeah, my name is John Markey, and I am a pastor in Chernobyl, Ukraine. That's not... Not Chernobyl, Chernobyl, right? Ukraine, not where the nuclear power plant was, but yeah, Chernobyl, Western Ukraine, and yeah. So yeah, hey there. I'm David Markey, and I'm up in uh, northern Russia, uh, Siberia, um, in a region called Yamal, which translates as the end of the earth. So, does it yeah, really? It does really. I yeah. never knew that. <laughs> and it really it is the end of the earth. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I guess from somebody's perspective. <laughs> yeah, well, from Anyanitz, he actually came to the end of the peninsula and said, this it's is the end. end of the earth. So that's why he called it that. So. Oh, I never knew that. I'm yeah. so excited. <laughs> and my name is Jed Gorley. Uh, my wife, Renee, and I and our four children are living in Tbilisi, Georgia, where we're starting a church there. And before that, Jed, you were in Kyrgyzstan. 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 And before uh, that, you were in? In Ukraine. In Ukraine, okay. Mm-hmm. And before that, you were in? In Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> and before that, no, no, we could just keep going with that. Yeah. And um, so all, all four of these guys are uh, either sons or married into the Markey family. Pam Markey is the director of our Bible college, Calvary Chapel Bible College Europe. And I will definitely be having a conversation with her very soon. She's actually sitting right here, but is quietly hiding away. Uh, but I'm letting her for this episode, but I will be getting her on an episode in the future. You're not going to want to miss hearing about her life and her story. Um, we just looked at this passage, and I want these guys to talk a little bit about their own lives and ministry, but we looked at this passage on in 2 Corinthians 3. Are we, are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? And then Paul here says in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 2 or verse 1, certainly not. And he says in verse three, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of the ministry among you. And I thought it'd be so great to talk with these great men about that passage because each one of you has gone out to a, some of you went together at one point, but you've all gone out to different places and you've church planted or just starting, you know, church plant. And that, I think for most people listening to the radio, that whole idea of church planting might sound, it might be a foreign idea. So maybe you guys could speak to that a little bit. What does it mean when you go out, you, you left Indiana, you left Vermont or yeah, Vermont, right? You guys left from here, here in Indiana, or you guys grew up in Ukraine and you went and started a new church. What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, I think, so in our context, it's important to think of church planning as uh, you're like, nobody knows what the church is. Um, and uh, it, it, it presents challenges, unique challenges. But I've also seen that it, it presents unique opportunities because no one knows what the church is, you know? So it's an opportunity for us to present uh, Jesus, you know? So it's like a clean slate when you yeah. go somewhere where you get a chance to kind of build from really ground zero. Yeah, right. And it's a lot of work, you know, obviously. But yeah, so... Some, a lot of 
like Muslims because, you know, a lot of people that come to our church are Muslim and uh, it, they just, they're surprised because they, maybe expectations they have or what they've seen is much different than what they experience when they come into our community, you know, because for us, you know, I like this passage because I think the emphasis is on what? It's on the people. Yes. Like, so it's like you, you are a letter of recommendation. So when you don't have a church culture, when you don't have like, I'm not coming and giving you like a letter from a, a seminary or university or a big church it, there because they don't even know what that is. Right. Right. This is who I am. That means nothing to them. What what means something to them? Who I am as a, as a person, how I live my life, how I interact with them. And so I think that when they come into our community, you know, that's what they're starting to see, you know. Uh, and that's obviously very small. It's something authentic, right? Something real. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's just so much more powerful. I mean, I've always kind of seen these verses as something speaking so powerful, you know, not that letters or, or, you know, certificates or degrees are wrong or bad, but there's something powerful about, you know, our lives, our lives speaking of the reality of the gospel, you know? And that's what I love. Uh, I, that's what I love about church planning. Yes. Is because so many people, they don't even know. They have no experience really with the church personally. Yep. Right? Like I, one of the privilege I love, Phil, is I meet people almost every day. They've never met a believer in their whole life. You know? Imagine. It's, uh, and I just think, what a opportunity. Like sometimes it scares me, you know, because right. I'm like, Lord, <laughs> I hope I give, you know, a good right, impression right. I of do Christ. This well. you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, at the same time, it's like, wow, what a what a neat opportunity. So, and you know, I want to interject and just say, those of you that are listening, you know, you're you're probably in the L.A., Orange County, or San Diego area. I guarantee you, if you will speak about Jesus, you're going to meet somebody who's never really met a Christian. It's not just far away; it's very common. You know, we live in a country here in the United States that yes had a had a sense of Christianity for a long time, but those things pass really quickly. New generations come. And it's time to really realize that you have a voice to, to speak on that. And I, I, Johnny, I want to ask you on that same kind of a thing. I think when people think of like church planting or specifically on this, this verses that we read on the letter, you know, you are our letter. Um, it's not building planting. So when we say church, we don't mean building. What, what do we mean when, we, when, 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 the, when we're sitting here talking about, because all of us have been church planting, what do we mean when we say church in the church planting part? Right. Yeah, that's a great question. It's just interesting that so Paul goes, he's in a place where there are people who have never met a Christian. I actually grew up in Kiev, Ukraine, so the capital, and moved to the most religious huh. area of Ukraine. So everybody knows. It actually surprised me how much people knew about wow. the Bible. and mostly So Greek Catholic is kind of what Western, most of Western Ukraine is. And so people know actually about the building and the structures right. and right the systems. You know, it's funny because I think as evangelicals, is that what you, the way in the states we I, talk I, about it? I, 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 I have know. no like, idea. I haven't figured out yet. In are we evangelicals? I, I don't know. Are, it right? seems like it's kind of. <laughs> it's. It, I don't know. It's. It's taken on whole new meanings here. Right. Right. It's right. very interesting. But that's what I think yeah. a lot of people don't realize. We have liturgy. Yes. Like we have like. When you see a guy get up with an acoustic guitar on the stage and do like, I mean, there's a yeah. certain. And if there's a dove behind him, you know you're at a Calvary, <laughs> right? It's true. Yeah, yeah. Those there's nothing very, wrong with that. Yeah. And and so we we almost make objective these structural things, right. these these certain and and even just the Sunday morning gathering in and of itself, I think, has can become like okay, if we have a Sunday morning gathering that has these certain outward things happening, and there's X amount of people coming we've done it or we, we're, we're on our way to whatever, right? Yeah. Not yeah. that those, again, not those things are bad, but we're talking about, um, externals. And I, I think where it really started to hit me, cause I, I followed my brother to Chernobyl, Ukraine, right. who planted the church there, where it really started to hit me was when I started preaching and then having a conversation with somebody later and then being like, man, I love what you said today. And then they go and they basically say the opposite of what I said. Don't you love that? <laughs> You know, I love your message. And it just, yeah, yeah, and it just kind of, it, it kind of, you know, you can take a a certain uh, uh, approach to that and be like, man, people just don't listen. But I think it's actually more that that's not really what the church 
is in and of itself. It's not sitting and listening to a sermon right. for 40 minutes and then, you know, okay, I'm charged for the week or whatever. Um, it's doing life together. Yes. Which is what, um, especially when you, you, you look back at what, um, I mean, gosh, that's read through the book of Acts and see what it is that they're actually preaching. And they're preaching a, um, a kingdom, mm. which is really a, a, a community, right? That's doing life together. That's, that's what church is. It's a counter, it's like a, it's a counterculture yeah. that is actually, but it also exists for the people that are outside of its walls, right? right? And that's what was so attractive to it. That's why actually why, you know, you just look in church history, that's why it attracted a lot of the marginalized mm. women with yes. a huge number of women. Women and disenfranchised. It's disenfranchised yeah. because it's a community that like cares for these yeah. people and they feel like they have dignity and they have, right? They're humans. I always had this idea, you know, and I'll bet, I wonder if you guys did too. You know, it's like, I'm going to go church plan and I imagine the kind of people that would come. You know, and they were always cooler than the ones that came in my mind. <laughs> and then I realized how much like, I'm not that. Like, I'm as broken, I'm as in need, and I'm, uh, Jed, I want to ask you this, because you've been in several different contexts. You've been a part of church planting in Ukraine, Kyrgyzstan, and now in Tbilisi, Georgia, the Republic of Georgia. Is that, what yeah, is that the proper yeah. way? Mm -hmm. um, very different experiences. How do you keep yourself from going into that and assuming that what you had happened in the past is what's going to happen now? Because all three of your contexts are very different. Yeah. I mean, I think it's almost impossible to not have any assumptions. Mm -hmm. You kind of go in with an idea that you're building upon your previous experience and what God has allowed you to experience, you're going to carry in with you, mm -hmm. but you know that he's going to do something different yeah. and you have to be open to that. And I know, for example, when we were serving in Kyrgyzstan. And we Jed went, and Paul served, you guys served together yes, in Kyrgyzstan, yeah. right? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Keep going. No, we went in with the idea that we're going to be serving Kyrgyz. This is going to be a Kyrgyz mm -hmm. church. There's going to be a lot of Kyrgyz coming. Next thing you know, we found that there were a lot of different nationalities that were coming and and even though we had seen some missionaries there that would reject, they'd say, no, we're only ministering to Uzbek. No, we're only ministering to this, these people. We felt like we just needed to minister to whom the Lord brought uh, in our direction. And that turned out to be a very fruitful thing. And I really think that you, you, you go in with expectations, you go in with assumptions, but you realize that God is sovereign over everything and he can do what he wants to do. Wow. And we are his servants. I'm not going to say, I can't serve these people. I can't serve these. I'm only to serve these people. We're there to serve the Lord and we're there to minister to the Lord. And uh, just Acts 13, when they were ministering unto the Lord, then the Lord could send them out and yeah. use them. And we have to remember whom to whom we are ministering first and foremost. And and these are all his people. Mm. And, and I think then he brings those that he knows will be used in the future to reach certain groups that we we don't ever have any idea mm. and, and i think that's important to see and you guys have all you know um and i'm, I'm saving david for last on this one david this is going to be for you but because i've had the uh besides the new work happening in tbilisi i've had the joy of you know we've all been friends for a long time a long long time uh i'm making us sound super old but we've we've all known each other since we were teenagers basically and uh, I've been to all of the works that you guys are a part of. Would you guys agree that, like, you're, the people are the prize in that sense of, like, the work that God did in them, that's the prize of, and, and, and it's almost hard to, like, and that's why I wanted to get to talk with you guys because I feel like here in the States, it's such a big country that we kind of get lost in ourselves and we just forget, like, the prize of seeing somebody come to know Christ outside of America in other places is huge. And David, I, I was kind of bringing yours last because you're, this is the one place I have not yet had the joy of getting to go to and yeah. being with, but we got to be together at Bible college mm. and um, you are at the end of the earth <laughs> <laughs> and you're reaching some people who I'm, I'm sure just like everywhere else, these guys are talking about, I've never heard the, the gospel. Now I'm, I'm curious to, because where Paul was going in Corinth, they were kind of like, well, what's your letter of, you know, what makes you have the right to come and do this? Was there any of that when you went into that part of the world where it was like, what right do you have to speak about these things? Did you, did you have to deal with that at all? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, with different people, it's uh, different things. The people that I'm ministering to, a lot of them already had also, I think, what... Um, 
some shared is they already had this idea of what church is and stuff too. So it was hard to initially understand uh, how to present to them what the church is, you know, that they are the church, that they are the body, those who do come to Christ. And so initially when I came, um, you know, even pastor, like I, I am careful how I use that word because a pastor is somebody who is leading, you know, those who do believe and, you know, just feeding them and, and trying to lead them to better pastures and direct them to Christ. And so, but those people have to ha- have a respect for you, you know, in a way that not, I'm not saying like a, that you're this dictator, but I'm saying like the, in the sense that they have to see your life and say, yeah, I want to follow. Wow. This guy, yeah, this guy loves Jesus. This is what his life is about. And so I think that I had to, when I came in, I wanted to earn that from them, you know, show them that I love Jesus and that that was real because there's so many charlatans out there and that had already been in this place. And I think sometimes, you know, ends of the earth attracts some crazy people too. And there had already been some crazy people up there sharing false gospels and stealing reindeer and I mean just crazy things you know that you wouldn't think would happen in a place like that okay now there's something wait we just gotta (laughs) we all have to acknowledge the bizarrety of what you just said they were stealing reindeer reindeer. yeah these are like Santa Claus wannabes up there what what do we got going on up there yeah because you're you're up in reindeer land right yeah so minutes and Conti and people living in teepees and people fishing and so there's people coming up and saying you know you need to give a tenth of all you have and you know, you need, but they're teaching them these laws, and this mm. is, you know, what Christianity is, you know, is what they're telling them. And so they're telling them, so you give you, you reindeer, you know, if you don't have money, or you give fish if you don't have money. And so wow. people are giving up this stuff, but they don't even know why, you know. And in fact, some of the people there, they, Jesus was presented, they were baptized by these people. Wow. And then they put up an icon of Jesus in their shrine with all their other gods and fed them reindeer uh, blood, you know? Wow. So that's an idea of, w- of what people get when you just do this, like, yeah, go preach the gospel and then people right. baptize people and then let them go. I mean, that doesn't do anything, you know? It's a body that then there there should be a pastor who's leading, guiding, showing, you know, how to how to guide them to closer to Jesus and showing them what the body is. And, you know, so there's a whole process to that that's happening. But I think that the first step for us was, yeah, Definitely trying to show them the love of Christ, showing them who, that God loves them. And then when they did come, when now there's a there's a fishing village we go to, and there's a woman there who is now widowed. But at the time, her husband and her, they came to the Lord. And uh, she would say things that were interesting. She would say things like, I noticed your love for you between you and your wife is different mm. than anything I've ever seen before. Wow. And so they see Christ in us, you know, and then they they replicate you know, what they've seen. And also, as we study through Scripture, they're moved by the Holy Spirit to change their lives. And so what you were saying, the letter of recommendation, mm. their testimony becomes so powerful. Yes. And and showing them that that's the case, because now what we do is we actually take these people that have become believers and we go to their relatives and to the other towns and villages, and they are our letter of recommendation, exactly. literally. And that they're the ones that are I'd, it's so much better if they there's say something. There's nothing like a transformed life, right? Oh, yeah, because if I go and say it, there's I have to start all over from scratch, right. you know? I have to start from I'm the, the European-looking, Russian-looking guy, you know, who comes in with probably, you know, orthodoxy or whatever. So people already have assumptions as soon as they see your, the way you look because I look different than they do. And there. I wish you guys could see what I'm seeing, this beautiful beard, this, like, incredible <laughs> beard that he's got going on. Very orthodox. Yeah. Very orthodox Very looking, orthodox, yeah. yeah. So, but they're all, you know, these shorter, you know, I'm really tall. I'm 6'4", right. 6'5", six, six, uh, and they're all, you know, these shorter people and, uh, you know, Asian looking. And so when I come in, I, I stick out like a sore thumb, obviously. Um, and so when they, but when they start sharing the gospel with their own people, and we, we always start off with, you know, practical ways that we can show them that we love them. But then when they start sharing, people are listening. And it's it's a quicker response, you know, when the when the body is actually doing the work. Because I always feel, you know, what Paul says about to the body of Christ uh, being like a body, you know. Yeah. And, and each one function, like everybody's got a part in that. And so right. um, really just wanting them to see that. And so, yeah, so the church in Yamal is so different in that we don't have a building. It's kind of, a, a, I think, a, a positive for us in that we don't have that that idea because we can't <laughs> we right. can't identify that way we can't have a big building and everybody come there we have to go to the towns and villages we have to travel around and so the church is actually little home groups of people that are christians or maybe people still coming to know the lord and we go to those different places and that's that's the way the church looks there it's 
the body of believers scattered about and people want it to be sometimes this you know big orthodox church or something maybe but that's there i think that when they really see who jesus is and they become a part of the body they really start to understand better what it really means to be the church that's and you're so right that there is an appeal to a lot of people oh let me you know where do you worship what does your building look like and and all those kinds of things when the reality is is like the work of christ in a human being is the greatest testimony There's nothing quite like it. You are listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. If this ministry has added value to you and you would like to hear more content, you can subscribe to our Crossing Cultures podcast or visit us online at crossingculture.org or philmetzger.com. We would love to send you a free copy of Jed Gorley's book, Distant Fields, for your gift of $10 or more. You can do that on our website at crossingculture.org or philmetzger.com. Now let's hop back into today's discussion with Phil and our special guest. Why don't you describe Distant Fields? What is that book? Because this whole month then, we're going to try to highlight this book, Distant Fields. I think it's an amazing book. It's amazing because it talks about one of my favorite human beings. And uh, maybe you could just give us a wrap it up in a minute and tell us about the book. And, yeah. uh, and then, yeah. I mean, it was an honor to really... Uh, to write it, and I learned so much through the process. Uh, George Markey, it's the biography of George Markey, and he was my father-in-law. He was my pastor, he was my friend, and he was called of the Lord to go to Ukraine and start a church uh, in Kiev uh, to where he moved with his wife and eight children back in 1992, soon after the fall of the Soviet Union. And so it details the story of his upbringing uh, as a child, all the way up through his initial years of how he got saved in church and his experiences here in the States. And then, of course, the, the last part of the book, the last third of the book, is his experiences overseas. And throughout that book is sprinkled his uh, understanding of the biblical concept of church because he did see that the, there needed to be a model church that was shown. And the model that we often see this side of heaven, unfortunately, is a man-made model. And we need to be reminded to go back to the book of book of Acts, as Johnny mentioned, and just see what the church really is. It's an assembly of people that is saved, uh, born again, and that is there for, for the Lord. And so the, the story really just goes, um, details his life and it's his amazing. passion. It's yeah. an amazing book. You did a great job writing it. Mm-hmm. All of us here were deeply impacted by George in so many ways. We'll talk about that more throughout the month. Um, yeah, so I want to get that into as many people's hands as possible Time to bring that back around. It's been a while. And then what I'd like to do, so if you are interested in uh, getting your copy of Distant Fields, you need to go to our website, one of the two, crossingculture.org, or you can go to mindphilmetzger.com, and we'll have a link on there. And with the donation, we will get that book out to you as well. Read it, because I'm going to send out, once you do get that book, I'm going to send you out a link, because maybe uh, once you've read the book, we're going to have a Zoom conference call with the author, Jed, if we could agree to do that, Jed. I'm doing it on the radio, so he can't say no now. I got him. But And then we can talk about the book. So those that have gotten it from us, that have read it, and want to get to hear more, they could have a conversation with you in Zoom. Would that be okay? That'd be wonderful. Okay, so you guys need to get online right now. Remember, you can go to our Instagram, Crossing Cultures. You can go to our website, crossingculture.org, philmetzger.com. Give, put in your information and a donation, and we will get that book right out to you, and we will make sure that we uh, include you on that great conversation. Guys, it's been a joy and a privilege, and uh, until next week, uh, looking forward to seeing you all with us at 5 o'clock next Sunday on K-Wave and KSDW. Sweetest Sound by The Dwelling. You can find today's artist, The Dwelling and The New Divide on any music platform. Thank you for listening to Crossing Cultures with Phil Metzger. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
For more content, you can subscribe to our podcast, Crossing Cultures. Visit us at www.crossingculture.org or you can connect with us on social media. If you live in San Diego, we would love to see you in person. Calvary San Diego meets on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. You can find our address at www.calvarysd.com. We're a new show and we would love to hear from you. Would you leave us a voice message at 619-500-4772? Again, that's 619-500-4772. And let us know how this show is reaching you. And pray about supporting the ministry of Crossing Cultures in prayer and financially as we seek to connect to those who may live, believe, or think differently than we do for the sake of the gospel. Visit us at www.crossingculture.org. Thank you for being with us. And we hope you join us next week on Crossing Cultures.